As I said, I haven't really been paying attention, but it is time now. Come on. Honorary Associate Professor Wayne Reynolds, historian at the Australian Defence Force Academy at the University of New South Wales, specialising in nuclear history with a special interest in nuclear submarines. Professor, good morning to you. Good morning. So we're not going to get these submarines until 2030. So does that mean our enemies might be thinking, well, we've got seven years to get on the front foot? Oh, I don't think so. Well, they're certainly playing up the China threat, but I think it's overblown, the China threat, to be quite frank. And the availability of Virginia-class submarines is to allay that fear that you've got a so-called capability gap. But I think there are a lot... We could talk about a number of reasons why I don't think that capability gap exists. But uh, anyway, that's, that's on the table. The Virginia-class submarines, three of them up front with the option for two more and uh, by the early 1930s I'll be sitting here and rotating through Australian bases. So Professor, let's go back to the beginning. Is it a good idea? To get the Virginia class? Yeah. Um, well, if, if you're going to spend money on American uh, production on a submarine which is already halfway through the rollout... And you're going to have no real input into the technology of this. You might they might come up like did you want to strike fire with a with a component that you could look at like ARMs or something. But but the the proposition is that we will spend money in the United States to lift up their uh, capacity. And apparently there's a, a concern in some areas in the Congress that their defence capacity is under threat if they go this extra mile for the Australian submarines. Doesn't sound, now, doesn't sound to me like you're convinced. I can't, see, I can't see the benefit of that. It, it does remind me of the arrangement we had with the British before we had the Royal Australian Navy, where we spent money in Britain so that they would then deploy dreadnought battleships and battle cruisers to the Far East as part of that protection. And we paid money for a while on that basis, and then finally... The Deakin government said, look, we, we really need to build up our own capability here. This is getting too expensive. So, Professor, my understanding is it's been difficult to get the submariners for the existing um, fleet that we've got. So, yeah, no doubt about that. Right. So is that going to... Or are younger people or submariners, are they going to be happier to be in nuclear subs? Well, one of the reasons I think the, uh, they're doing this... Uh, and it's, the Americans have done this before. You know, they talk about, uh, and, and they're very selective in the way they talk about, the agreement with Britain in 1958. But uh, that agreement uh, came with a decision to deploy American nuclear submarines to Hollylock in Scotland. And that gave the British Navy a chance to uh, have a look at uh, American nuclear submarines. Uh, to uh, they, they were American nuclear submarines deployed, but... They were sharing uh, information and they were sharing training. And that's the sort of thing that's been going on for a while anyway. I think the Australian Navy's long had people through impact exercises with the United States, uh, probably getting uh, exposure to uh, nuclear submarines, just experiencing that. And similarly with the combat system, uh, the American combat system is, is a combat system used on the Australian Collins-class submarine. So, you know, we've got a fair familiarity with that. But in terms of getting the personnel, I think these submarines will have that training role. That they'll be sent out here, and the British used to do this too before we had submarines. Uh, they used to send the submarines out here and train up uh, Australian sailors, and we would do joint crewing. Well, um, and let me ask you a question. What happens in the future when someone comes up with a technology that finds submarines underwater wherever they are? 
Well, that's a very interesting question, and my reference to the 1958 agreement was that the Americans had a sunset clause in that, and they said, we will give you limited help with nuclear propulsion, and if you want to, in the future, upgrade this, whether it's a reactor core or whatever, then we made a new agreement. We made a new sales agreement. Right on. Okay. Well, because then submarines would become redundant, wouldn't they? <laughs> so as soon as, yeah, but yeah, but they know how to get a plane out of the sky. That doesn't mean the planes are redundant. But they, it's, I think what he's saying is, then you go back to the Americans and say, look, these ones are now no good. Mm. We, we we need you the, the new ones you've built that are good. And they say more money, please. More money, please. Yeah. Um, and was that Professor Paul Keating? Or Give what? me more than one millisecond, I'll get to it. Um, but I said at the same time yeah. as Damien said out there, gee, sounds like Paul Kenny. We should have got him to say, um, he's just a shiver looking for a spine.